Welcome to our podcast. The following episode originally aired as a video. You can find all our video episodes at www.thebreakthroughshow.com. Life gives us moments when we have the opportunity to make a choice. And what we choose has the potential to change our lives forever. Join us now for another inspired episode of The Breakthrough. And now, please welcome the creator and host of the show, Jessica Dugas. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to The Breakthrough Show. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm your host, Jessica Dugas, and as usual, we have an incredible show for you that will change the way you look at and live your life. Coming up later in the show, we have an entrepreneur from the Midwest who will be giving his perspective on working hard. Dan Paulson is here, but up first, we're going to be talking hot topics with a new friend of mine. He's a sales coach, sales trainer, and author with more than 25 years of experience helping business increase their sales. He's the founder of Brandeis Coaching and Brandeis Training Solutions and has been featured on Good Morning Clearwater, several other podcasts, and now, of course, The Breakthrough Show. Please welcome Jeff Brandeis to the show. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Jessica. Very happy to be here. Appreciate it. I'm excited to have you here. Start us off, Jeff, by sharing something that's bringing you joy in your life today. Uh, bringing me joy. Uh, I have two kids and I got two grandkids and every Sunday night they come over and last night happened to be Sunday night. So we have our family dinners and there's so much joy when you get to visit with the grandkids and your own children. So it's, uh, it's one of those times where we get to, you know, separate ourselves from the work, totally relax ourselves and, and enjoy the family. So mm. much joy there. I love that. I, it reminds me of, you know, growing up, we had that so much more with the extended family where we would go to my granny's house and she would cook a huge meal. But that was that was typical <laughs> Italian family right there. More food than we can eat, you know, the whole thing. Um, it really does bring you joy. I'm not to the grandchildren stage yet, but uh, I don't want to think about that. Moving on. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, the, nothing uh, makes you feel older than watching the kids have kids. So yes. that's what makes me feel old, but, uh, you know, it's all part of the cycle of life, yes. a circle of life. And I'm actually very happy that they both live close by. So we get to see him as well. So, uh, it's all good. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that they live close by to you and you can have that time with them. That's fun. Yes. Um, so I know that, uh, you you do a lot in the entrepreneurial space and we're very um, accustomed to talking to more uh, sort of personal development, spiritual development topics on the show. And I was really excited when we got to know each other of how much of that you put into your sales training programs and everything um, of really encouraging people to be the best they can be and look at some of the psychological stuff that comes along with um, with selling because there's, there's a lot of that in there that people often and don't take um, take into account. So you and I talked about different ways to communicate and being a good communicator. How important is that when you're talking about being an entrepreneur or being a salesperson? It's so important how we communicate. Uh, it's an understanding how, candidly, how people learn is how people buy. Hmm. And that's one of the things that we train and we teach on uh, significantly, no matter what you're selling. Whether it's uh, whether it's car selling cars, 
or selling widgets, selling software, or selling you know SaaS services. When you're doing a presentation, and most sales folks do this presentation, they do it the same way over and over and over again. And now that we're selling more through Zoom or webinar selling, it's even more important that you understand how people learn. Mm -hmm. Because switching your, your presentation to their learning style will build rapport three times faster in one third the time. Mm. And we all know that people will do business and they like to do business with the people that they like and trust. So what better way to build rapport and trust is when you're able to match your presentation to the learning style, they like you. They don't know why they like you all of a sudden, <laughs> but candidly, they like you a mm. whole lot better. And it, it's, it's really a magical spiritual where it's, it's in the mind, mm. but it really, really works. Mm. I love that. And, and, and really it's, it's more, it's interesting because when we talk about communication, when I was first thinking about this topic, you know, when we talk about sales, I think of old school sales. When anytime someone says sales, I think of like car salesman or, you know, you're selling a product of some kind. And many of the people that I deal with, and I know many of the people that watch this show are selling a service and they're, and they're maybe in the spiritual development space. It's a little bit more of the woo space, if you will. And, but I was thinking of how important those same concepts would be for those people who in general don't really like selling. They don't like the idea of putting, putting themselves out there in, in the, the old sales methods. How important do you think it is for the communication, even if you're in a space like that and, and learning how to sell yourself in a, in a way that you're communicating appropriately? So we sell, we sell ourselves every day. Hmm. I mean, candidly, Jessica, you and I are selling each other right now, and our <laughs> listeners are trying to decide whether they like me, they don't like me, or they like what the topic is. Right. So as we begin, if this was a training class, I candidly would have a PDF file that I would send out to people in advance, because hmm. people would like to read, they like to touch things. So if you're speaking to somebody on the phone, and you really don't understand what their learning style is, I mean, they, they could be visual people is really what we call them, okay? So, and you're, you, we're auditory right now because we're, we're, we're talking back and forth. There's nothing visual other than you and me on the screen. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about presentations and you don't have the opportunity to really uh, hand something to somebody, I would send them a PDF because initially, unless you really listen in a pre-call, in a discovery call that you might have with somebody, which I always recommend, the words that they use will help you just determine whether what type of learner they are. Mm. Whether there's three types of learners, there's visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. And that's a word that a lot of people have never heard of. So sometimes that's a <laughs> scary term, term, kinesthetic. But you know, if someone says, hey, show me, show me how you work this program, they're using the word show. So that's a visual word. If you jumped into, hey, let me tell you all about how this program works, mm -hmm. and you go boom, 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 for the next 15, 15 seconds or 15 minutes, candidly, you lost that person. Mm -hmm. They use that term show. So even if you're a spiritual person and you try and make that connection, 
in that initial conversation for them to truly understand you, you might need a, a brochure or a piece of paper or something that would help them understand exactly what you're trying to uh, make that point to. Mm. So that's yeah. where it's, it's important to understand how the people learn. And then you switch your presentation where you have another tool part of your sales kit, if you would. Because <laughs> yeah. um, like I said, we sell all the time. So you always have to have, be prepared you know, to have a sales presentation. Right. Absolutely. I want to dive in a little bit into those three different um, learning types, because I, I know you and I talked um, prior to the show about how useful this knowledge can be. I know that many parents are homeschooling all of a sudden, and we have a lot of things going on in the world that have shifted and where, where I feel like these learning styles would be really important to know. Can you break those down for us and tell us a little bit about each of them? Sure. So actually, if I may, I want to provide you an example. Sure. So school is definitely you know, back in wherever you're, you are for the most part. We have more uh, people now homeschooling. Mm. We got people going to the classroom. We got people who are going from one grade to another grade or from a different school to a different, you know, to a new school. So I was actually doing a presentation one day and my best friend Charlie calls and says, hey, Jeff, you know, can you help me? Uh, Adam, who was in straight A's, grades one through five, went to sixth grade, and there were D's and F's. Mm. Can that VAK, visual auditory kinesthetic, help? I said, I'm, I'm not a child psychologist, so I don't <laughs> want to put that out there either. But, but he was reaching out to me as a friend, right. and because he knew what I teach candidly in business communication actually trans itself, transcends itself into your personal life. Mm. So I sat down with Adam. We went through, honestly, it took me a couple of days. I finally said to him, Charlie, I think I have the answer. Let's go to visit your principal. Mm. <laughs> and bring your checkbook. And he goes, uh -oh. oh, what? It's going to cost me also? And I said, yeah. So I asked the principal how much Adam's books were. He said it was like 300 bucks. I said, Charlie, write him a check. So Adam's issue was in grades one through five, he had workbooks. Mm -hmm. He was able to write in the workbooks. The teacher told him to go write in the workbooks. There, was, there were gaps in the sentences for him to go fill out in the workbooks. He went to sixth grade and there were textbooks. Right. You're not allowed to write in textbooks. But now that we bought the textbooks, a few weeks later, Adam's grade started improving and he brought back that A and the B. And as parents, as you're bringing your child up and grades might drop or the learning changes from a teaching perspective. And I have another story I can tell you also about just how people, kids can clean the rooms differently, get, sure. them, get them to do things. <laughs> but think about how they're being schooled and what changes in their environment. And think about if they're visual, meaning that they learn visually or their auditory, they like to listen to people talk, they, mm -hmm. they, they get things really quickly. Or the kinesthetic, which is really a mixture of the two. So mm -hmm. they, they'll hear, they'll read, they like to see things. So I don't know about you, Jessica, if you have kids, but I remember my <laughs> son, I used to go, Daniel, Daniel, go clean your room, go clean your room. Yeah. You know, and, of course, and go brush your teeth, go make your bed, right? <laughs> Everything was all, all auditory, right? Yes. And of course, day after day, 
How many times have I asked you? How many times have I told you? The parents, think about this. How many times have you constantly tell your children to go make the bed, brush your teeth, clean up the room, blah, blah, blah. So what I now would do, of course, now I've gotten better educated in this, is I would take a little, oops, a little board or a piece of paper, put it on my child's wall mm. as he's leaving the room, and I'll write, make bed, brush teeth, mm. clean up room. And you know what? It worked because they're visual. They right. saw it. They reminded them. It just didn't never stayed in their head, even though you've told them 20 times. <laughs> right. It, it's these little things that has a, can make a huge impact in mm. our family life with our children, even how we communicate with our, uh, our loved ones and our families. Right. Now going into like, now what if a child is a kinesthetic learner? Like how do we, how do, because it's funny that you bring this, this example up because with my kids, um, I found myself getting really frustrated. It only took me uh, 19 years to figure out <laughs> my frustration, but um, you know, I still have some little ones. And so uh, I, I realized that I, that frustration of constantly saying things and nobody listening or them getting distracted or whatever. So I put a big whiteboard at the top of the stairs where they all come out from their rooms in the morning and it has the schedule for the day everybody knows and then in addition because i'm just tired of saying it i put our alexa right under the <laughs> right under that and every Technology. hour every hour she says have you checked the board <laughs> you Very know so, so i speak in the world. <laughs> there she goes out speaking i said her name i should not have done that so <laughs> so i so i've got that going on we have the audio we have the visual now what about the child that i have i have one in mind that is the kinesthetic learner that want that doesn't want to hear it he doesn't want to read it or see it he just wants to do and do whatever he wants to do how do we how do we fix that so, you know, sometimes I, I, I do, I talk about this even in business when, so someone, you ask someone to go do something like mm -hmm. that, you give them a chore to go do three things, right? You, you tell it to them and nine out of 10 times, I'll bet you that they don't bring a pad in to take notes. They think, oh yeah, I'll remember it because my memory is really good, right? Mm. So another suggestion you could try is you tell them what you do and this might be a little bit of a hassle but you have a little sticky note, sticky mm. pad with you, and you write the three things down that you just asked them to go do. Mm. And you rip it off and you go, okay, here. So let's just make sure what I just asked you. These are the three things I just asked you to do. So in case you forget on your way back to your room or back to your office or wherever you're headed, they now have a little sticky note that they now can look at and refer to. So before mm. they came back to you, the list, the to-do list, if you would, should be done. Right. And it gives them something to check off, something that they're doing, right? They're, they can, they can, some people like those stickers and, you know, yay, I did it. <laughs> Prize at the end of all of it. That's right. awesome. I think that's really good advice for, um, you know, not just parents and those parents that are listening, but even as we talk about having different employees in your business and um, and different customers and what, whoever it is you're dealing with, I can see ways, you know, I know ways that I can deal with my husband a little better too, just learning these things, right? 
Yeah, and you know, a lot of times you don't understand initially what that customer is, maybe if they're visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. So we teach a, a phrase that covers all three. I'll show you the numbers, make, explain things in detail, and make you feel comfortable. Mm. So what I did was I, I incorporated all three into one sentence, and I just in, engaged that individual even more than what they ever been engaged with. So if I'm a sales guy and I'm selling a car, for example, and I don't know what type of person there is, he is or she is, I would just go through those that sentence, mm. and you just brought them in. You covered all three. Right. Well, you cover all three. And then also as you're implementing those, you can see which ones they respond to. Right. And then, you know, when they start to tune out, you know, that that maybe is not the direction they want exactly. to go. Exactly. Without doubt. I love that. So Very much true. good. So much goodness with that. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of that for our audience today. We're going to um, take a break. We're going to come back and talk to Dan Paulson, and then we'll come back with more with Jeff at the end of the show. We'll be back in just a minute with more of the Breakthrough Show. Hey, Jessica Dugas here, creator, producer, and host of The Breakthrough Show. We have big goals here at the show in the desire to change the world one breakthrough show episode at a time. And honestly, we couldn't do it without you. We want to take this moment to give a huge thank you to our Patreon supporters for helping us to not only expand the show, but spread its message far and wide. If you're not a supporter yet, we would love to have you. You can choose any tier with tons of benefits at patreon.com slash the breakthrough show. We can't wait to have you part of our breakthrough show family. And now back to the show. Welcome back to The Breakthrough Show. My special guest today is an entrepreneur. He's a family man. He's a podcast host who knows a thing or two about breakthroughs in your business. Everyone, please welcome to the show, Dan Paulson. Dan, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate being here. Absolutely. It's so good to have you on. I, I always say, you know, we, we meet on these connection calls and then we have a period of time that we don't talk. And, and so it's kind of like waiting. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for the day that we get to have our conversation. So I'm glad to you have bet. you here. So share with us, Dan, something that's bringing you joy in your life right now. Well, at the time we are sitting here talking, what is bringing me joy is when a lot of other people are maybe really struggling trying to figure out what to do with their extra time. Mm -hmm. I have been keeping quite busy. So <laughs> Um, I guess what's bringing me joy is I'm spending more time with family. I'm spending more time at home, which means less travel. Uh, for you road warriors, you'll understand exactly what I mean. And um, I've still had the privilege of being able to work with a lot of great people while um, all the stuff that's going on, you know, across our country is taking place. So uh, in a lot of ways, nothing's really changed that, that much for me other than I, I get to spend more time at home. Occasional walks with the dog, which is kind of nice. So I'll spend a little time today doing that. But yeah. um, I'm very appreciative of all that's going on. Yeah. Do you find that it's it's brought you um, any new perspective or or new levels of gratitude for things that maybe you didn't notice before, or maybe had taken granted for granted before? I, I think the hardest part about all this, I've been trying to move my business more to a, a virtual format anyway. Mm -hmm. So in one step. 
this is pushing me to actually do that. And, you know, you talk about doing things, but of course, clients want you to meet on site, whatever it might be. And uh, now we're discovering that I don't have to be there. So I'm hoping <laughs> after this trend continues, <laughs> my clients will also say, well, you know, it worked fine over the phone or, or via uh, FaceTime. Um, you know, I would say the, the biggest thing is really just the ability to go to a coffee shop because I, while I do like working at home and like working in my office, sometimes you just need that break in scenery where you can refocus and, and do stuff. And a lot of times what I would do is if, if I had maybe a short day where I only had a couple meetings, I would go sit in a coffee shop for a couple hours mm -hmm. and I'd write blogs or I'd, I'd work on stuff that sitting at home, there's too many home distractions. It's like paying the bills and doing all the other stuff that you, you have to do. But, right. um, you don't really get to focus the time on the creative or the, the promotion of the business side. So that was really helpful to go out to, you know, maybe a coffee shop or, or somewhere where I could do that. And uh, of course right now we can't. So yeah. <laughs> um, that will come back one day, but uh, it's just trying to figure out how you spend your time. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's been, it's been cool though to, to, um, to do like virtual workspaces and stuff like that. I'm in mm -hmm. several groups where we'll, we'll all work for 45 minutes and then we'll take 15 minutes and we'll talk as if we were in a coffee shop or something. And then we <laughs> get back to work together. And it's nice to, to have coworkers, you know, to have that, um, have that time that we, we don't always get that as entrepreneurs. Like we we're solo a lot of the time. And so to have that, um, you know, around the water cooler, time mm -hmm. is kind of fun and nice too. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably actually the hardest part of what I do because mm -hmm. I, as a executive coach and consultant, a lot of you know what I'm doing is help other people with their problems. Well, guess what? You know, in, in March, everyone had a whole lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. There was nowhere to go with mine. So right. it was just kind of taking that onslaught. And I'd say for the first couple of weeks, it's just everything started to hit, and, you know, and, and we're shutting down the economy and, and a lot of people are questioning, what am I going to do next? How am I going to pay the bills? And you're dealing with all this. And, and, you know, I was in a fortunate situation where, um, you know, at least in the short term, I'm, I didn't have to worry about that, but you know, your clients and, and they're working hard and they're trying to take care of employees and everything else. And they're trying to do the right thing. And then all of a sudden the rugs pulled out from underneath them. Um, it was nothing but two weeks of fielding calls and, and, you know, <laughs> trying to help solve other people's problems. And then you get to the end and it's like, wow, that was a Debbie Downer. <laughs> it's like now, now I've taken on the burden of, of assisting with that. How do I overcome that mm. for myself and not having anyone as an outlet to, uh, you know, get rid of that is, is difficult. And I think that's true of many business owners. You know, many business owners don't have a coach. They don't have a peer group like what you're talking about, where you can sit around the water cooler and just kind of vegetate for a while yeah. or, or, you know, air your grievances and, and get over it. Um, I think that's a big challenge I find with a lot of business owners and executives is they need that channel. Because talking to your employees, even even if your employees, let's say you're a CEO of a company, even if you're talking with your executive VPs, there's some things that you just need to work through with somebody outside of that group. Right. Because sometimes information, we've all been in business where, you know, you say something's going to be confidential, but really it's very hard to keep that confidential. Mm -hmm. And then it spreads. And if the wrong message is sent and then we play telephone, well, by the time the message gets to 
the bottom of the chain, it's completely changed and now fear kicks in and anarchy and the whole <laughs> bit that you, you deal with. And that, that's why a lot of executives don't have anyone to talk to is they can't right. share that and they don't want to take it home and share it with their family either. So right. um, it is important to find those networks that you can kind of clear the air or, or you know, share your thoughts, concerns, fears, and then have somebody there who might have a, a solution for you. Mm. I agree. I agree. So you are, have been an entrepreneur for quite some time, and but you grew up on a farm. And so that was very entrepreneurial in itself, um, right? Oh, I, yes. I would love to hear about your time growing <laughs> up and sort of what you observed from that experience um, as far as entrepreneurship is concerned. Yeah. So I, I grew up in the heart of the Midwest. Um, town that most people would have no clue about because it was like 600 people. Uh, we were talking just before about you know, small towns. Um, I was a class of 25 and I was a son of a third generation farmer. Uh, so my great, great grandparents actually moved here from Norway and uh, they were one of the first ones to settle in the state of Wisconsin. And wow. so late 1800s, early 1900s is when our family started showing up here and just you know spent the first 20 years of my life even in college working on a farm and, and when you say entrepreneurial as a farmer you pretty much have to become self-sufficient in many ways you know you have to grow your own crops you have to then sell those those crops or in our case we were dairy farmers so it was selling the milk we were mm -hmm. growing the crops, crops to feed our cattle um, but it's 24 seven there, there is no relenting. You can't take a vacation so much as you know, the, the cows don't get milked and the, the hay doesn't get cut if, if you're gone. So I spent the vast majority of my life just, uh, working and, and not uh, the first real vacation I got was probably in college. I've had, I mean, I had some with, uh, before that, where maybe I go with my grandparents to visit an aunt and uncle, but I, the first vacation I actually had that was away from my family was probably not until my mid twenties. So, mm. uh, every vacation was tied around going to visit somebody who's in a different part of the country. <laughs> and most of the times it was just short trips because again, need to get back on the farm. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, you learn how to do things. You learn work ethic. I think that's why a lot of Midwesterners mm -hmm. are recognized for their ability to just kind of roll up their sleeves and get stuff done. And, and I would say the same is true for me even now. It's very hard to sit still and just kind of let things go because there's always something to do or you're always finding something to do. It's, it's you just don't sit around twiddle your thumbs because if in on the farm, if you're not milking the cows, you're, you're preparing the crops or you're feeding right. the cattle or you're doing something on the farm. So uh, it gets challenging to actually sit back and relax sometimes. Mm. I was going to ask you if it, if it, you know, is something that you've had to throughout your life find some kind of happy medium or balance with your life between work and play or, or just uh, even in simply just allowing yourself to relax and take time for yourself. Um, I was wondering if it had any, if it almost in your, in your businesses, as you, as you got older and had your own businesses, mm -hmm. if it created more of a, um, all work and no play kind of something you had to get out of. <laughs> well, my wife would have definitely told you that, uh, especially the first part of our marriage, because uh, I, I would say the entrepreneurial thing has been with me even since back in the farming days. Mm -hmm. But, you know, really, 
when I graduated from college, when I went to work in corporate America, I, I started realizing that there were a lot of things I was really good at, but there were also a lot of things that just weren't a right fit. And just playing the corporate politics and, and dealing with a lot of things that you traditionally have to do in a business sense uh, in a large corporation just wasn't my style. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that even though I was working full time at a lot of these companies, I was also trying to hit do different side gigs or, or you know, kind of create my own sources of income. So it's it was everything from starting up car shows with some friends of mine and trying to build that into a profitable business to doing web design development marketing while I was working full time somewhere else. Um, my wife will tell you that, you know, in, in our early years of marriage, I, I often had three or four things I was doing. I would get up mm. at six o'clock in the morning. I worked till two thirty three AM. And what I found is I was never profitable doing that. I would basically earn an income. That was my W-2 wage. That would fund my business ventures, pay for the equipment or whatever resources I need, but I never made money doing the business stuff. It just allowed me to get nicer, nicer mm. stuff. <laughs> and that was really about it. But it wasn't, it wasn't profitable by any stretch. And it wasn't until I started this business, actually, that things you know, started to change. Because again, I'm working with companies on trying to help them get out of their own way and help them basically stopped doing the exact same things I was doing. Mm -hmm. But that even took a while. Um, I started something here. The The recession hit in, in 07, 08. I felt the impact of that. That led me to looking internationally to see if I could expand my business elsewhere. And ironically enough, that that opportunity came in, in the form of China. So I had a business partner that was over there. We were trying to expand business overseas and help companies that were here looking at opportunities over there. So I still was working from 6 a.m. till 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. And then when that fell apart, that that's kind of when life hit. And I realized that I needed to change what I was doing because I, again, I was at this point though, I was making money, but I, I wasn't making as much. And then when the overseas stuff fell apart, I found myself upside down because we had invested so much in trying to build up that business and then realized that I didn't have enough resources to do it. But by that point, I had already sunk so much into it. So it's, it's one of those things that I think a lot of other business owners face is where you put so much time and effort into something that you just want to force it to work, even when it's not right. going to. And then all of a sudden you look one day and, and you've invested everything from your life savings into it, just realizing it's not going to happen. Mm. And now you have to retool again. Right. I think a lot of us are going through that right now because we're forced to do things in a way that's going to be completely different, either, you know, from us being in this right now to when we do come out of this and realize that we've got to function in a different way in business. We have mm -hmm. to do things completely differently than we've done before. Cause I don't think we're going to go back to the same way we were. Yeah, I agree. Um, we're going to have to have different protocols, even if we're in a non-healthcare situation, to figure out how to keep people healthy, keep people safe, because I don't think anyone wants a repeat of what we're doing right now. Right. right. I, I just want to tell you, though, how refreshing it is to hear you talk about, you know, that it took you a while, that you mm -hmm. invested a lot, that it wasn't profitable at one time, because I think we, and we've talked about this sometimes on the Breakthrough Show before, where social media has made it 
look like everyone's successful all the time. There's a lot of people I think that are not being truthful about the level of success mm -hmm. that they're having. They try to make it look social media perfect. And yep. we miss a lot of the fact that sometimes we can put our whole selves into something and it might never be profitable. It might never, it just ends up just being a passion project or something like that, you know, or, or it might have come with a ton of struggles. And so we'll see, we'll see these, what I call light switch moments of where mm -hmm. someone was, was fat and now they're skinny or they were poor and now they're rich <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is, yep. these light switch success stories. And we miss the journey. We miss the failures. We miss the struggle and all of that going on. And so I just appreciate you being honest about like, look, this, this wasn't like I, I was an entrepreneur one day and everything was great. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, everything's, not how that works. <laughs> everything's still not great. I mean, it's still ups and downs and sideways. But I think what what's happened is we've been we've been sold the allure of the side hustle. Yeah, you know that's yeah. that's kind of been the big thing of social media, the Instagrams and and all these people that become influencers and money is so easy to come by. You just got to go out there and and just you know take pictures of yourself and do this. <laughs> do this wonderful <laughs> stuff and all of a sudden you're going to be a millionaire. And, yeah. and you also have the, I'll call them the gurus who say, well, you should just work 24 seven. If you work 24 seven, you'll automatically be successful. I'm the mm. first one to tell you I have worked 24 seven and it did not make me successful. It did right. not make me happy. It didn't make my family happy. Uh, it did not make me prosperous. It didn't put money in my pocket. If anything, it cost me more with the illusion that, well, I'm working really hard. Mm. And that's, that's probably been the hardest thing to give up as a farm kid is the perception that through hard work, you'll get positive results. Mm. No, through hard work, you get more hard work that may or may not pay off in the future. Right. Sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. It's really about looking at what you do and how you do what you do better. Mm. And, and, and how many of thing. us were taught that though? How many of us were taught that growing of up of that, you know, if you work hard, you'll get what you want. If yep. you work, you know, and, and so we have this, we, we go into our adult life with this mentality of work, 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 mm -hmm. no matter what, and think that it's going to automatically lead to something. And sometimes it doesn't. Yep. Well, I mean, I come from, you know, I'm the kid of a boomer generation. Mm -hmm. So my parents were baby boomers. I'm a Gen Xer. So we are the typical latchkey kids that had yeah. to kind of figure out how to do it all ourselves. And, and it was really just kind of part of that generational that you, you just put your head down, you get stuff done. And I think that's what makes our generation great in some ways, but it's also one of those things that can get in the way because we just, have been taught to work hard. Well, we've tried to pass that on to the next generation down. Uh, I think the, one of the advantages the millennials have is they've discovered that it's more about trying to figure out how we balance work with life, even if there never truly ever is a balance. I don't believe in the work-life balance thing because you're always trying to, you know, juggle one thing and one thing's going to take precedent over another. It's just trying to figure out how you maneuver all that stuff around. Right. But at the same point, it's looking at more than just one facet of your life and saying, what defines me as success is my ability to work hard or work ongoing 24 mm. seven, always being able to do it. If our generation could figure that out, I think it would be much happier 
now, of course, we're getting in our later years. So we're going to trust that the kids that are coming out now are going to have developed enough of a work ethic along with enjoying the experiences they have. Now we'll see because many of the, the millennials still rely on, on their parents for a number of things. Many do not. So we've just got to figure out, you know, each generation define it, defines itself. And I think it's between that 30 to 50 age is when they start figuring out that is I either can't play all the time or I can't work all the time. And somewhere <laughs> in the middle is where we got to fall. Yeah. We've often talked about on this show, you know, the, I, I am very much a believer in balance, but I'm very much a believer in individual balance and what balance mm -hmm. looks like for somebody. And also understanding like what you were saying, but just said in a different way that it's just about priorities. That's all it is, right. is just figuring out what's a priority for you right now. And it's, and that's going to shift and change over time. Mm -hmm. um, so how did you, how did you sort of take this, this farm life that you grew up on? And then you had, like you said, you, you were working um, in China for a while and you had all of that going on in your business what were some of the things that that sort of shaped you into the kind of business you have now like some of the moments that say okay this is what I knew this is these are the things that happened that I knew I wanted to have the kind of business that I have now yeah I think there's a number of things that that impact that and that's going all the way back to the farm years mm -hmm. uh, like i said i grew up on a small town or in a small town outside of a small town um dad very hard worker again third generation farmer um wanted to save the family farm as his parents were aging out of the business but weren't willing to give it up so he took it upon himself to buy the farm from his parents well uh, of course, there's a lot of emotional decision that goes into that, not an always rational decision. I think the challenge that we had is when we bought the farm was in the early 80s. Now, many of your listeners probably go, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, in the early 80s, we had interest rates of 17%. On top of that, in the early 80s, we also had what was called the farm crisis, when the farm markets basically bottomed out and a lot of these family farms lost their business. So my parents bought into a farm at the highest interest rate possible at the worst possible time, because shortly after they did that, the, the milk market collapsed. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, that's your primary source of income. Well, we're selling at milk prices right now that are probably rivaling what was selling back in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. Now think about inflation and what's happening today. So we're seeing a lot of those same things reoccurring again but you accumulate this debt. And I, I'm in middle school at this point. So I'm just starting to figure out what life is all about because in elementary school, you're just you know playing at school, playing with your friends, going to birthday parties. Now you're starting to settle into high school and you start to get more kind of what, what is really happening around you as cliques are forming and, and especially a small town where everyone knows everyone else's business and my parents had to file for bankruptcy this is when you're going into middle school. So mm -hmm. you're one of the poor kids. And on top of that, you're working really hard just to keep things going and, and be part of that. And I was fortunate, you know, I come from a loving family, they worked hard, but there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of figuring out, were we gonna have a home to live in? Were we gonna have uh, food? Well, food typically wasn't a problem because again, farming, <laughs> we had our own gardens and stuff. But you know, it, at some point though, if things get bad enough, all that stuff goes away. And then what? 
And you saw other farmers going through this. You saw other farmers in worse shape than we were in that lost everything and had to start from zero. And that gets scary. And you start appreciating some of the things later in life that you have, and you start guarding some of those things. So I can understand when people, you know, what we perceive as greed sometimes is actually just a form of self-preservation. We don't understand what people are going through. And, and I understand what that self-preservation is like, because when you've had everything stripped away from you and you have to rebuild, I saw that at an early age. I saw that happen to my parents. I swore that was never going to happen to me. Well, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have we said that? Uh, there's kids, been that a, will never happen. There's been a couple roller coasters <laughs> that I've been on, even starting this business. But mm. I, I know there's been at least three times in my life after that, that I, I had less than $100 in my checking account. Mm. And I had car payments, rent payments, right. you know, later in life, house payments. And then you've got kids going to school and all that stuff. Um, you get pretty resourceful. And it gets really scary. Uh, yeah. When the international stuff fell apart, I was under so much stress. That's probably why I have all this white hair on my head. <laughs> uh, it was just insane what, what that does to you mentally. Right. Because you look at everything, again, everything you worked for was to try and create a better life for yourself, for your mm -hmm. family, for others. And now all of a sudden you're looking at going, well, I've just taken out the last bit of money I have and we have to figure out how to live on this for until I'm able to get stuff ramped back up again. It took me about a year and a half to get back on my feet. And I remember one time I was, my back was just tied up and not. So we all handle stress differently. I yeah. internalized a lot of it because as we talked about earlier, there was no one for me to go to. I couldn't go to my clients and tell them what was going on because Ultimately, they're counting on me to help fix their problems. Mm -hmm. And what perception does that have? So you internalize a lot of this stuff, and most right. of it goes into the muscles in my back. Well, my wife was kind enough to try and help work out those muscles, and it got to – there was so much pain, I, I thought it was going to throw up. Raced to the bathroom, passed out before I got there. So I went sliding into the bathroom and, and you know, hit my head on the wall. And of course that freaked her out completely. Yeah. But that's just, that was like the culmination. That was like the peak of, of what had happened. Uh, what I had learned through that though, is that as bad as things get, there's always an, there's always an upside. There's mm -hmm. always an upswing. And like I said, it took probably six months after that, but then all of a sudden all the work that I had been doing through that year started to pay off. And it got me back on my feet. Now it took several years to pay off the debts that I incurred trying to expand my business. Yeah. But what that has done really right now, given what we're going through today, is help me. It taught me a lesson on how to deal with my clients better. Mm -hmm. Because now I have a lot of clients that haven't ever dealt with this before. Most of us have never dealt with the situation this bad before. But when you've gone through those things, you're able to then take those past experiences and show people, here's how you work through it. Here's how you work around it. So we're, I'm working with a lot of companies that have a real difficult time right now because they can't interact with people. And their business is about interacting directly with people. They can't always do what they're doing virtually. So we've got to figure out how to pivot and how to find other ways to generate income than what they traditionally had done before. And had I not gone through that experience then, I wouldn't have been able to go through it now. The other thing is it's also taught me how to deal with my stress levels better. So mm. <laughs> as all this started happening, I had already done work to kind of protect my, my home 
earlier and, and protect what I needed to. So that way, as this started to hit, I'm, I did the calculations. I made sure that, you know, we had what we needed to, to get by. I'm also right. fortunate enough that my wife does work full time. She has a good paying job and she's in an essential business. So I'm, mm. I'm not also not going to sugarcoat that. I, I do have a safety net there, which some other business owners right. don't have because they might be the sole proprietors or, or the only ones working in the family. Um, so I'm blessed in many ways that way too. It's just figuring out again, how, how you take your past experiences and in my case, apply it to other people so that they can get over their particular challenges. Right. I think that's a, it's a great thing because again, we've, we've talked about this on the show before where it's, you know, the things that are happening to us, I've often asked, um, guests that have come on before, you know, what do you think the difference is between you and someone else who might have been in your, in your similar situation, you made it and they didn't. What do you, and a lot of it comes down to just making that choice, making Mm -hmm. the choice to continue, making the choice to pivot, just, but still moving forward and, and having that drive and determination to, to move forward in their life and their business, despite whatever's going on around them. Do you feel like that's a quality that you have as well? Yeah. I, I think that's the only way I've, I've made it as far as I have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everything is a mix of luck, skill, pure talent, and drive. Mm-hmm. And, and I know a lot of people who are very smart. I know a lot of people who are very talented. And I've also seen them struggle, suffer, not make it. So what's missing? And often, you know, it's, it's that drive. It's mm-hmm. that behavior that says, no, I just need to put one foot in front of the other. And it right. might not, I might not be running a sprint, but I got to learn how to run the marathon. Yeah. And that's what really, I think we're going to find a whole generation of people that are going to build off of this. Right. Because it's going to be that tenacity, that grit that gets us all through this. And we need to make sure that we remind ourselves day in and day out. We just need to keep moving forward. We can't just sit and wait. And and that's where my message has gotten a lot more urgent lately because I see a lot of business owners that are like, well, this is only going to last four weeks. I've got enough to sit it out. Well, like what happened here in the state of Wisconsin, well, four weeks just turned into eight weeks. Now what are you going to do? Because you took a four-week vacation because you had the resources to do it. Now do you have the resources to go another four weeks? And what happens if at the end of May, in this case, now it's another four weeks because like I said, a lot of things are not going to go away overnight and we're going to have to change how we do things if we expect to get back to some level of normalcy. Mm -hmm. And if you're just sitting on your haunches waiting for the world to kind of get back to normal, you're going to be waiting a long time. I think we have to prepare. We have to get ready, even if you're not able to do anything right now. And we have to look for ways that we can do things safely and efficiently and profitably and take care of not only ourselves, but the people around us, because that's really what this is all about is, is we can't just, it's not just about us. It's, right. it's about everyone that we impact because it could be a family member. It could mm-hmm. be a close personal friend. So we, we've got to look at the ways we're doing things and do them differently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're almost out of time, Dan, but I want you to be able to share with everybody exactly how you help your clients and also um, where they can find you and what's next for you. You bet. Uh, Dan Paulson, my company is Envision Development International. I help uh, business owners figure out how to scale, how to grow. 
And the way I do that is by working with them on everything from workplace culture to leadership development uh, to some degree operations. So I, I work closely with them to figure out how to get over hurdles. As of right now, I am also helping people figure out how to survive and how to pivot. So it's, mm. it's looking for where those opportunities are at that maybe you don't see when, when it's just you involved. The way you can find me is you can look me up at envisionbusinessdevelopment.com. I realize that's long. It's I-N-V-I-S-I-O-N, business development, all one word. And that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. There should be phone numbers and emails, and, and I would encourage you to connect with me there. Absolutely. We'll have all of um, Dan's information in the show notes that you can just click on and take you right there. You won't even have to type it all in. You'll just be able to click and go, which will be nice. Um, Dan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us today. And I think there's been so many things that you've shared that um, business owners, entrepreneurs can can take some notes about and to and or at minimum just to think about because I think the heart of what you're what you're sharing today is really just being prepared in your business and also I love how much we we talked today about um, you know remembering to to allow yourself to to sit that hard work 24 seven doesn't always equal a payoff that we need to take time for ourselves as well. Um, so I just appreciate you sharing about your story and about what you're doing now to help everybody. I thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jessica. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, you can find all of Dan's information in our show notes, and we'll be back in just a minute for more of the breakthrough show. We hope you've been enjoying the breakthrough show. If you're someone who is an inspirational entertainer or has an incredible story of breakthrough, we want to hear from you and maybe even have you on the show. Be sure to visit the links in our show notes to send us an email or connect with us on social media. We hope to see you on a future episode of the show. And now back to the breakthrough. Welcome back to the Breakthrough Show. Big thank you to our special guest today, Dan Paulson. We're back now with Jeff Brandeis. Jeff, uh, thank you so much for sharing all of that incredible information at the beginning of the show. Is there anything else that you'd like our audience to know about these learning styles, about the importance of you know, good, good connection, good conversation, all of that, um, where, is, where sales and business is concerned? Uh, again, I think, you know, we're all in sales, and those of you who are actually in sales, I consider sales to be a craft, mm. and it's something that we all should always constantly improve on, L listen to how other people speak, read other uh, books, and be able to always take a, a class in, 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 uh, in sales, in selling. No different than a baseball player or a tennis player always taking more ground balls or shagging fly balls or practicing their serves, okay? Sales is a craft, and there's no education. There's no degree in sales, but we, we sell every day. Mm. So being able to hone those skills, I think, is totally important. And even it's more important in today's times of where we're struggling, candidly, but it's we're always going to struggle no matter what even in a good economy, there's always the need for more sales so and more personal development. So I urge everyone to you know look look for classes, look for techniques, and we do offer those as well on our website. 
Mm, I love that. And I love how you said that sales is a craft because, okay, for all of you creatives that are watching or listening to the show today that always say sales is not my thing. You heard Jeff say today that it is a craft and you being a creative person means that you can craft the kind of um, sales that you want to do, that you can work on being, being who you are and selling yourself, right? Yeah. And being an entrepreneur, and you're, you're, you're involved, if you're an entrepreneur, you're involved in product, you're involved in marketing, you're, you know, fulfilling, you're doing so many things. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I see in most entrepreneurs, candidly, is the lack, and no offense to anyone on, on, the, on the call of listening, I'm not trying to offend anybody, <laughs> is the sales technique. Because mm-hmm. honestly, without revenue, you don't have a, a, a company. You right. need to bring that revenue coming in the door. And it's great. You got you have that on the autopilot and people just come to your website and, and just buying. That's fantastic. And that's a dream that we all would love to have, mm-hmm. but not all of us have that. So as you interact with people and you're, you're go to a party or you go to a conference or you go to, you know, a friend's house and they ask you what you do, you know, making sure you have that unique 30 second elevated pitch. That's precise. And, uh, and informs everybody what you do. Mm. It's so important. Yeah. Do you, do you think that um, it's important because it is a craft, do you think it's important to continue to hone and practice that skill? Um, and the reason I ask this is because I had a really funny thing happen recently where um, I had an old page on my website that I wasn't using anymore, but I didn't take it down yet because I was still taking information off of it. And so it had an old service on it and all this, I didn't realize it was still there until some Suddenly, one day, someone found it through the magic of SEO and booked um, the sensor. <laughs> and so when I went to go, um, you know, have that conversation with this person, it was like, uh, uh, it's been a really long time since I've done this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to answer your question, you know, in my opinion, no offense again, you're never <laughs> too old to learn something new. Yes. And that's really part of my philosophies is, you know, can we, if I stop learning, you know, technology will take over and it will make you obsolete mm. really quick. You think about where we were even five years ago, three years ago with technology and look what we're doing today, you know, through Zoom. Okay. If we weren't doing these things today, our businesses wouldn't be where they are. So sales, learning new things, understanding how you can do things differently, how you can say things better, mm. more efficiently. It's just going to make us better, make us stronger, make us smarter. So yes, set, uh, you know, forget about even just sales, just learning in, uh, as a whole needs to be something we continually do. I love it. Jeff, thank you so much. Tell everybody um, what, you're, what you're up to right now, where they can find you, how they can connect with you. Well, you can connect with me. We'd love to have a, a phone call. love to just talk to you, learn more about your business. Totally free consultation. So you can go to uh, speakwithjeff.com, that's speakwithjeff, J-E-F-F.com, and schedule some time with me, and let's just learn more about each other. Um, I know, I believe you'll put my, our links to our website below, uh, but if you're listening to this on, in the car or in the radio or on the podcast, and you don't know how to spell Brandeis training or Brandeis coaching, just go to Everybody Sells Something. 
www.everybodysellsomething.com. That's yeah. everybodysellsomething.com. So one of the other things I always talk about is make it easy to do business <laughs> with people outside your business and inside your business. So think about that. Speakwithjeff.com. Make an appointment. Everybodysellsomething.com. See, go visit my training website or brandizecoaching.com. So thank love you. It. Yes, Absolutely. It. I love that you made that easy for people, for people that didn't know how to spell um, certain things because, but listen, the names can trip us up. Absolutely. Without a doubt. <laughs> it's, it, you know, how many times, I mean, it's happened to me. Someone tells me to go to the website and I don't know how to spell it. Mm. Right. True. Some of us with some people with long names and all of that need to need to think about that in our in our marketing for sure. Um, Jeff, thank you so much to, for being here today. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, huge thank you to our guests today, Dan Paulson and Jeff Brandeis. Be sure to check out the show notes at thebreakthroughshow.com and connect with them and all of our amazing guests. Coming up next week on The Breakthrough Show, it'll be a powerhouse show talking with entrepreneur and founder of Natural Born Coaches and the popular group, The Coaching Jungle on Facebook. Mark Mowinney will be here. Plus, we're going to hear about an exciting up and coming podcast with my new friend, Lisa Marie Pepe. All that and more coming up next week. Thank you all so much for watching or listening today. Please be sure to take a moment to rate, subscribe, comment, and share where available and make today a great day for a breakthrough. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Breakthrough. Please visit our website at www.thebreakthroughshow.com. And be sure to join our After the Breakthrough community powered by Patreon. We look forward to seeing you next week. Same time, same place for another inspiring episode.